This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. My fellow Chelsea supporters, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And as ever, here is my co-host with me today. He is the Londoner living it large up north. He is Mr. Power of Positivity, and we definitely need that today. He's your friend and mine. It's Warren. Warren, welcome. Thank you very much, Keith. Um, yes, um, I am... The picture of positivity, not just today, but all days as always. Obviously, very disappointed with, well, quite disappointed with the last two results. Obviously, that you know everyone knows we're going to move on to and talk about that very shortly. Um, mm. Bit dis- bit bit disappointed with the last two results, um, but by no means devastated. Um, I think there's sort of like reasons behind it, and I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. I've seen a lot on social media in the last sort of 12 hours talking about oh, here come the excuses and everything. And there's nothing to do with excuses. It's just the way it is, and we're going to talk about that anyway. But, um, yeah, I am I'm feeling, I am feeling quite positive. Good. So, on today's show, we will be reviewing the Everton result from last night, trying to see the positives from it, and we'll dissect certain players' performances. We will also be discussing our upcoming guest, Sean Wright Phillips, that will be on the show on Wednesday, the 16th of December. Plus, at the end of the show, my co-host here has an announcement to make, so you do not want to miss that. So, Warren, let's start with the Everton result last night. Yet yeah, We did discuss this before we started recording, that we, we're not going to over-dissect it. We're not going to do what... You know, Arsenal fan TV does. We're not going to do what certain other podcasts do. And well, they don't even they don't even dissect it anymore. They just get up and fuck off. <laughs> they just get up and fuck off. You notice him? I watched along last night. I didn't do that. I was disappointed. But you notice I didn't get up and just fuck off. I, I did get I did get the ump a couple of times, but you know, we're not going to throw our toys out the pram. Absolutely. We're going to look at it from a common sense. Objectively, we're going to look at yeah. it objectively. The bigger picture here. I think yes. that's the point. Yes. I think that's the point that people are missing is the fact that, <coughs> excuse me, um, last couple of seasons, right? If you look at Man City two seasons ago and Liverpool for the last two seasons, they regularly went on 10, 15 game winning runs and regularly went on 20, 25, 30 game unbeaten runs and things like that. Um, I don't think anybody's in a position to do that this season. I think that 
it's a very weird season with the fan situation and you know everything that's going on and the lack of pre-season all these different factors that are going on so it's very odd anyway so it's not and that's not an excuse for Chelsea that's happening broadly across the whole of Europe from what I'm seeing so it's not just an, an excuse or an issue with Chelsea it's a very broad issue so if we look at it like realistically you know in the last 17 games we lost one game against a good Everton side and yes I'm disappointed that we lost and that we've lost a little bit of our momentum but we've got to look at it realistically we had no wingers fit last night you know that was that was huge for us we're going to move on and sort of talk about individual players like you said in a bit but I'm not at all devastated Keith I don't know about you I'm I, you know I am disappointed but I'm not devastated at all you know it was it, it's, it's one of the things it was going to happen you know we, we've been saying for a couple of weeks now that we're kind of almost because of the way the season is and for the reasons like I've just said teams are not winning 10 15 20 games regularly in a row anymore so we can't expect it looking at the bigger picture we kind of had to lose at some point anyway so um I'd rather lose what was considered a tough game away against a good Everton side than to drop points at home to a you know, like we did against Southampton, for example, you know, so I think that there's a bigger picture to look at there, Keith. I am disappointed with the result when I look at the two teams that came out before the game, when I see four centre-backs playing for Everton, no left-back, no right-back, James Rodriguez was out, which I thought could have been a big miss. You know, Calvert-Lewin was always going to be a danger man. I actually thought we was going to keep him quiet, but we didn't. And I'll explain more on that later on. But we predicted the lineup correctly. Yeah, position, um, didn't we? You know, position well, yeah. and players. So yeah. through the lack of wingers, Havertz having to play as a more prominent member of the front three, which you know he isn't having necessarily the best of time of it anyway. No, I think, he's we, not. I think that not. We, you know we've discussed that we have to be extremely patient with him. Then he's had COVID, and he does look a little bit slight and a little bit lazy on the ball sometimes. I've mentioned before that he always tries to make everything look too composed and too elegant rather than just getting the pass done. Um, can they give the ball away a few times last night as well? But um, I don't see an issue with the formation. I don't see an issue with the personnel. It was just there was obviously missing Zayic, Hudson Odoi, and Pulisic. That's going to hurt any team in world football. There's not a team in the world at the minute that has those three players in their team and doesn't miss them when they're out. So um, it was it was a big miss. Um, I think actually Everton playing with four centre backs kind of helped them. It did help them. It, I was going to say that. Yes, it helped. It, help it helped. Them. It helped with the physicality. Mm-hmm. You know, they they basically physically marked. Werner and Havertz at the game at times. Giroud barely had a sniff. Giroud didn't do anything wrong. Giroud was making all the right movements and everything. Just couldn't get the ball into him. Couldn't get players around him. Havertz and Werner, I don't think, supported Giroud well enough or got close to him. There was no all. creativity. No, no. There very was hardly little. any creativity. Our most, our most dangerous player last night was probably Rhys James going forward. And he was unlucky with that effort. <sighs> what a good save. Yeah, yeah. What a strike. What, what, what the idea that I sort of looked at in, in the game, because I think it was about 20-odd minutes, it was after Everton scored. And we'll, and we'll talk about, well, we're going to talk about that just a bit, but I just wanted to sort of just look at the tactic-wise. And I sort of saw after 25 minutes that playing Werner on the left and Havertz on the right wasn't working. What I would have done was put Havertz as a 10 and give Decore and Allen something else to think about, plus the centre-backs. But I would have put Werner up top with Giroud. I would have played with a diamond. 
I kind of feel like I, I feel like that's kind of James. What, it's kind of what we ended up with, isn't it? It's kind but of we what did we in the end, up. but I think we should have done that maybe from the start, but at, at least once they scored. Because the thing is, I think that, that that kind of thing, if you start a game like that, Everton can figure it out quite quickly because it's at the start of the game and it's sort of like easier to deal with. I think the reason that Frank changed to that is because it's something that teams don't do very often. And it's very hard to combat mid-game when it happens. And I think that's why Frank didn't start like... I think that um, he wanted to keep the consistency and the rhythm of playing in that formation as well. He didn't want to break the cycle that's been working so well for so long. Um, I can see your point, and I think that's kind of why he changed it in the second half. I said on the live stream it would be interesting because we didn't... Our only attacking option on the bench... um, was Tammy Abraham. So I said it'll be interesting to see what he does because Frank's not the kind of person that if it's not working, he doesn't really go for a straight swap. You know, he won't just take Drew off and put Tammy. You know, he'll bring players on and he'll change the shape slightly and he'll change it up. Very much how, you know, if you look at Pep, Pep was one of the first people to do it, that if his team was under the cosh, like the, the difference between Pep and Mourinho, and this is what I say about 2005 football and modern football, is that if... Chelsea were under the cosh under Mourinho. He'd bring on a Macalania or a Mikel or a Carvalho or a Ferreira or somebody. He'd make a defensive change. If Man City were under the cosh or Barcelona were under the cosh under Pep, they'd make an attacking substitution to stop the other team from being able to attack the way that they were by making it so dangerous to do that they wouldn't do it. right? And that's what I see in Lampard, making them positive attacking substitutions. He was very limited in what he could do yesterday. It's not an excuse, it's the fucking reality of it. People saying that, oh, it's excuses and Lampard out, they can all go fuck themselves. It's ridiculous, right? It's it's one not great performance in 17 games. <sighs> and like I said, the season, the way that it is, look, Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa and just about scraped by Leeds and, Leeds, and all these teams are beating each other. And Man like, City got stuffed by Leicester. Like, yeah, Tottenham beat six one. I know Man United haven't been... Have been a bit inconsistent, but they're unbeaten in six in the Premier League. It, it, well, it just goes to show how bonkers this league is. Anyway, West Ham are fucking fifth. Yeah, Southampton. So, Southampton a year ago got beaten nine nil by Leicester. Southampton are one of the better teams in the Premier League. Well, they stuffed us on Boxing Day. Yeah, they've come to the. They ruined my Christmas when I was there. <laughs> even this, even this season, they've been excellent. You know, so I mean, yeah, one defeat. In the same way that if we was to, on this run, people may think that we've got carried away because I think we're genuine title contenders. I mean, I wouldn't normally think are that we, we like, the, the, the re, Yeah, I think we are genuine title contenders because of the pandemic and the situation that creates the unknown. That's why I think we're genuine title contenders. Most other seasons, I'd say that maybe we're still a season away from it. But that's why I think that we're still in it. But the reason that we're still in it is the same reason that results like this can happen. It's because everything's all a bit... It's, it's, the, it's the unknown. This is the unknown season. This is the first time in football history anything like this has happened. Nobody knows what to expect. Nobody's got no reference points. Everybody's learning every second of every day how to deal with things. I mean, how difficult it is for the players being in bubbles and not being able to do this and that and celebrate this and see that person and do this when they want and everything. Everything's changed, so it, it's going to have an effect on players as well. We we forget about the effect that mental health has on players. We think because they earn loads of money and they've got beautiful girlfriends and all the rest of it and nice cars, it doesn't matter. Of course it fucking matters. It's mental health. Mental health doesn't... 
it doesn't it doesn't uh discriminate against anyone it doesn't care who you are or anything so we have to accept that as a reality and we've had one not great performance where we lost 1-0 and it was a bad mistake from Mendy and it is two bad mistakes in a row for Mendy mm. and I think it's important to point it out because if it was Kepa people would be going absolutely fucking bonkers and I'm not suggesting that's what we should do but it's happened two weeks in a row now. It needs to be addressed. There needs to be a bit of communication going on there. Zuma and Silver have to take a certain amount of responsibility as well. But 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 the actual but the actual not not even looking at it and trying to dissect it too much. Just looking at the individual moment where he's decided to. And obviously Keith can see me right now, and I'm doing what Mendy did right at Calvic Lewin, and then stayed committed to it once the ball had been past him for about three millennia. Right, and then still committed to the tackle. It's an awful tackle. It's an awful mistake. And if if a Jorginho or a Mason Mount or a Kurt Zuma or a Christiansen or a Marcus Alonso or a Kepa or somebody that the bandwagon has decided is no fucking good, right? If a player like that would have made a mistake, we'd have booed them every time they got the ball. All the new plastic fans and all the rest of it. And that's what fucking pisses me off. I don't think Mendy should be singled out or victimised. It's a very very bad mistake, one that he cannot keep repeating. Warren, can I ask you a question in in regards to that particular incident with yes. Mendy making the mistake? Do you think Silver could have done better? Because yeah, I watched I, yeah. it. <coughs> yes. Hear I, me I, out. Hear, hear me out. I watched it live last night, mm. and I also listened to you on the watch along on YouTube. Yeah. I I saw it and I thought, okay, Calvert Lewin's won the first ball, yeah. right? He's he's taken he's the ball well. away from Silver. Yeah, he's done well. Done well in the instance. But I think Silva should have been stronger when it came to dealing with Calvert Lewin, because there was a moment in the game, there was a moment in that particular transact in that particular bit where Silva stopped and allowed the ball to run. I was going to say Calvert Lewin to get, and then Mendy Silva allowed. Yeah, Silva allowed the way that Silva defended the ball allowed Calvert-Lewin to get the ball into the danger area. Even though Silva felt that he could deal with it, and he probably should have, Silva made it so that uh, Everton could manipulate the ball into the danger area, whereas he needed to see them back out and back to their centre-backs, right? As much as I agree, I think that that would be over-dissecting it slightly. I I think that we're over-dissecting it slightly by really, really looking into it. I mean, it's a fair point. It's, It's similar to... It's very similar, involving similar players as well to the goal against Leeds that we conceded. That if you were to over dissect it, you could say that Zuma's positioning he was caught a bit square and there's a bit of hesitancy. And yeah, you can sort of portion blame around the team, but I think that's over dissecting it. I think the last two goals that we've conceded in the Premier League have been mistakes by Mendy. I would say Mendy was at fault for both, but I also think that the build up to it the combination between defence and goalkeeper needed to be stronger. That, that's that's yes. my opinion. Yes. But that's which obviously that's, which that's me coming from a coach's perspective. Yeah, obviously. which will come. Which will come. I'm yeah. confident that it will come. But because of that, with the with the mistake against Leeds, it didn't affect it too much. Didn't affect the result too much. Obviously, last night it did. But I think it. it you know, I never felt like we was out of the game. You know, that's the difference. Sorry to cut you off there, Keith, but do you not feel that that's a bit of a difference? I know that we compare it a lot to last season, which I think we're right to do. There was times last season that if we went one nil down away to Everton, you just knew we was going to lose. I mean, like it was just it was just one of them things that you knew we was going to lose. Last season, if we was three nil down to West Brom, and last season if 
we'd have gone 1-0 down at home to Leeds. I think, you know, they're classic performances against your West Ham's and your Bournemouth's and your Southampton's and your Everton's and the games that we actually lost last season. And this season, we're winning them and picking up points. Like, And, OK, so we lost against Everton yesterday, but last season, if we would have gone 1-0 down away like that, I never would have felt like we was getting back in the game. I'd have felt like we needed a stroke of luck or a stroke of genius to get us back in the game. Now I feel like we're always in it. I mean, Mason Mount hitting the post with that beautiful free kick right at the end. I really thought that was in for... I thought that was going in, yes. For those of you that were live with me for the watch-along at that moment, oh, my God, I nearly went through the fucking wall. (laughs) I'm telling you. I felt like we was always in the game. And, yeah, Frank tried to change it up tactically. I like what he tried to do. Um, I think that... I think West Ham's going to be tough. Without well, because, because of the winger situation, it's going to be tough. Hopefully, they're back for the Arsenal Villa game and stuff over Christmas. But well, think, Gilmore coming on was a positive as well. I thought yeah, you know it was yeah. nice to see him get some game time. Always wants the ball, doesn't he? Mm. Always, always talk of him possibly going to Rangers in January. I don't think that would be the worst move for him going to a team that just wins all the time and get that winning mentality, and he can be the focal point and he can just work on his own game. I'd like to see him stay. Um, and get more games in for Chelsea. But um, I don't think that would necessarily be the worst move for him. I think Gerard tries to play a nice brand of foot. I watch Rangers a lot. I'm a Blues brother, so I, you know, I'll be watching. <laughs> I'll be watching Rangers today, flicking between that and the Formula One. So um, I watch Rangers a lot. They're a decent side. And the result isn't the end of the world because at the end of the day, we're still third. There are and still positives to take. There's still there's still results today it, that can happen, right? If Tottenham and or Liverpool were to drop points, whether one of them was to draw, one of them was to win, or they was both to draw or both to lose, or loss and a draw, whatever the combination of results were, if one of them teams drops points today, they've dropped points against Crystal Palace or Fulham, whereas we would have dropped points against a team that's possibly going to finish in the top four. I think that's kind of like, okay, that's clutching. I appreciate that's clutching at straws trying to be positive. I totally appreciate that. But that is the reality of the bigger picture. Let's see how we are after this weekend. And if we are five points off the top, if somebody would have said we'll be five points off the top coming up to Christmas, just coming off the back of a loss as well. So it's not even as if, like, oh, we've mm. managed to get ourselves within five points, winning six games in a row and being lucky. We've been very, very good. Just come off the back of a loss and still be within five points, worst-case scenario. Then I don't think that's the worst situation to be in. I wouldn't necessarily have taken it because I want to be positive and I want to win everything. But it's the bigger picture. I think we have to look at the bigger picture because we've had a good start to the season and because people are saying that maybe we have a shot at the title and certain pundits are saying it, as soon as we lose, everyone's like, oh, Chelsea are shit. They was meant to be winning the league. And it's like, no, nah, man, you've got to remember what our realistic aspirations and expectations are. We want the best because we're Chelsea fans and we're used to winning everything, of course, but we have to be realistic with it. What did you think of the Krasnodar game, Keith? I know we was going to... I know we've done it out of order a little bit recently because the the Krasnodar game was such well, a Well, I think the Krasnodar game weren't but really it was, much. It, it was good to see Andrew coming in. Obviously, it was fantastic seeing Billy Gilmore come back and stuff. Mm. It was great seeing Dave playing. Quite enjoyed seeing Rudiger play as well. Um, Emerson was sort of like decent enough again. He's sort of proven himself to be a decent enough um, decent enough competition for Chilwell at the minute. I like what he's doing. But yeah, it was nice to see Andrew in. Obviously, it was disappointing before the match to realise that Pulisic definitely wasn't going to play. We knew about Zayac and then obviously we learnt about Hudson-Odoi as well. Um, so that was pretty disappointing. Uh, Tammy looked a little bit too eager. I remember commenting that to you, that he just looks 
a little bit too eager at the minute. And that doesn't mean to say that I want to take anything away from his game of pressing and high intensity, but he just looks a little bit eager at the minute, Keith. He's snapping at things. People keep comparing him to Drogba, which I don't think helps. Well, whoever's doing that needs their heads testing and they need their... Yes, know, James. Their, yes, yes, their James. Football yes, James. Yes, James, who listens to. to the podcast. Yes, James, who listens to the podcast. No, uh, honestly, there is no comparison at all. They, For me, they are two different players. My thoughts on the Krasnodar game very quickly, the result obviously didn't matter. Yeah, it was disappointing to draw... It was um, nice. Not, it was nice not to lose, though. We went went one down, and we didn't let it affect our game or anything. And it was nice to see Ancherin play yeah. from the start. It was nice to see him about, what he could do. About. Yeah, he put Gilmore, about. Same thing. It was nice to see Aspliqueta play. I mean, yeah. I yeah. still, I've always got a soft spot for him. You know, absolutely. Puts a smile on my face watching Dave play. Genuinely puts a smile on my face seeing him with a captain's armband on. Seeing the fans come back and everything, and you know there was three or four times in the first half that he went over to take um, a throw down near our own. I think it was over our own corner flag because obviously he was over by the west stand in the first half, wasn't he? That's where all the fans were, and they all got fantastic receptions individually and stuff. But like Dave got a lovely reception from the the Chelsea faithful over there, and that was really really nice. Well, as we're talking about the Champions League and with with the draw against Krasnodar, I mean, to, to, again, to be honest. Come March, April time, I don't think people are going to be necessarily thinking about the results anyway. But the draw for the knockout stages is Monday. Yes. It could be tomorrow. Yes. 11.45, isn't it? I think. So something along them lines, yes. Um, I, I will be at work, so I won't be able to uh, listen and to I, it live. I was going to say, I know that I have commitments that are going to keep me away from doing a watch-along, unfortunately. However... Um, myself and Keith were both thinking about doing a video for the uh, maybe like a reaction, even if it is a bit later on in the evening to the draw. Once we've had time to dissect it and get home, whatever we do, we'll do something for the Champions League draw, which will be on the YouTube channel, which has been getting some really good traction lately. You know, the subscribers have started going up, the views are going up. The Chopper Harris interview in particular has been doing really well. We've been doing really well on Twitter recently. You know, we've got, you know, this morning when I checked, we had 308 followers on Twitter, so that's doing really well. So thank you to all of our Twitter listeners from all over the world. Um, I know that we've got people listening in Bulgaria now, so make sure you like, make sure you like and subscribe and follow. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, all of our Podcasts are also on iTunes as well as YouTube as well. So make sure you find us. Find a search bar somewhere with the internet connection. Type in the Blue Day podcast and you will find us. But welcome to all our new um, listeners through Twitter and various other platforms. And however you found us, wherever you are, whether you're in America, Australia, Bulgaria, Norway, anywhere you are in the UK, obviously Keith's down there in the south. I'm relocated to the north. So... We're everywhere, so make sure you find us and you know subscribe for more brilliant content. Like Keith said, we've got the Sean White Phillips interview coming out on Wednesday. Um, and yeah, what do you make of it, Keith? Just like like I said, there's been a lot of followers on Twitter, the subscribers on YouTube are going up, and you know I know that you've had like a lot of messages and a lot of feedback on the Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. So um, how are you finding it? No, it's it's really positive. It's really positive that. People are now starting to notice the Blue Day podcast. People are now starting to hear us and sort of find us in, in 
on the social media channels and it's and it's good to sort of have that rapport with people that get in touch with us. It's good to have that connection with people that yeah. as well know ex Chelsea players as well. So it's nice that I've had messages off of our listeners this I know you have as well, but I've had messages off some of our listeners this week saying that he noticed that on the Instagram and Twitter page in particular that, you know, Sam Dallabonner and Bernard Lambald and Dennis Wise and Eddie McCready and Alan Hudson are, like, following and liking our posts and stuff like that because we are getting a bit of genuine Chelsea traction now. I think that's because we are just genuine Chelsea fans and we're appealing to other genuine Chelsea fans. And most people that play for the club end up being Chelsea fans one way or another, don't they? So, um yeah, me and Keith, as always, are very, very humbled by it. As always, we want your opinion, we want your feedback, we want your constructive criticism, we want what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Let us know what you think about the watch-alongs. Um, I really, really enjoy doing them. I have massive fun doing them. So um, even yesterday when we lost and it was disappointing, I still enjoyed doing it. So thank you, everyone, that came along. We got a few good number of subscribes and likes and stuff, so I was really, really pleased with that. Now that the plugs are all over... Champions League draw, if we go back on that for one sec, who do you want? Well, I mean, my heart and every ounce of me wants to play Barcelona or, you know, I mean, there's a few other teams that we can't really draw. Um, I suppose that in terms of, like, wanting to progress and who we have the best opportunity of progressing against, then obviously you don't really want to play Atletico Madrid. You don't really want to play... Barcelona, because although they're not the force they are, they still have unbelievable players that on their day could just turn it on for one day and turn us over and then that's tie over. So I suppose if you look at it like that, I can understand why people might want to play a... Who can we play? Like teams like Porto and teams like that. Porto, uh, Atalanta. Yeah, is there an Ajax possibly? No, Ajax Ajax were out. You've got Atalanta. Atalanta instead of Ajax, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few teams that, you know, Atlanta are a dangerous side. I I don't really want to play anyone because they're all in the knockout stages of the Champions League for a reason. And we're in the midst of this season where anything can happen. We've been had a really good discussion about that, so I'm not going to touch upon those points again. But reiterating my points from earlier, you know, listen back and listen to what I think about how random this season is and how obviously random it is um, so I don't really want to play anyone in that sense because they're all potentially dangerous but yeah like, I'd love to have a massive game against Barcelona hopefully you know they might let 10,000 fans back in the stadium by then or something and imagine you know having 2,500 in 3,500 uh, in the and 4,000 in the West and 2,000 in the Shed End like that would just make it make such a difference and yeah I fucking love playing big games this is what I live for do you know what I mean people say that I can understand right I absolutely in every sense of the statement, understand that people would rather play Mitch and Gladbach than Barcelona, right? I totally get that. But do you know what, right? If you want Chelsea to win things, they're going to have to play the big teams. And do you know what, right? When you beat a big team, let me tell you, Chelsea fans, because we should fucking know of all teams, it was a lot better beating Barcelona en route to the Champions League final than it was beating Benfica. I would like Barcelona. Personally, yeah. I'd like Barcelona. Yeah. For me... You've, I was going to say, you've... Look, for me, to touch on this a little bit, a lot, I've, 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 seen, I've seen Chelsea, Barcelona. Yeah, the, the atmosphere was outstanding and it would be great if more than 2,000 fans can be at the stadium. Hopefully, the club will not charge over... Seventy pounds for a ticket, but no, they'll talk... charge. No, they'll charge. They'll, they'll charge Champions League prices. We we can only hope. But they back will. on the back on the Barca situation for me, and I did say this in a earlier podcast. For me, they are a broken club. 
at this moment in time. Their best yeah. player wants to leave. Their best striker left in the summer. Their defence is absolutely shot to pieces. They are still a very they are still a good outfit, Champions League team that made it to the semi-finals last year. Yes, they got absolutely dismantled by Bayern Munich. Of course they did. But that's happened. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and Barcelona have all dismantled each other over the years. They are still a good outfit. But I, would, I think Barcelona would I still be paid favourites. I, I, I think that at, at this moment in time, right, and it depends what happens in the next couple of months, of course it does, but if Chelsea and, and Barcelona with two really fit teams was to meet right now, I think the general feeling around the pundit, pundits-wise, if you was to get 100 pundits together, I think more of them would think Barcelona would go through to Chelsea. I don't believe that. But it'd be a no, massive I, test. I, yeah, I'd love that. to, I'd love I don't to get that at Barcelona. All. I'd, 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 I'd love to get whoever... Barcelona in the quarters and then yeah end up with a Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Juventus or whoever in the semi-finals and then just you know it's it's all a bonus from there in it but yeah I'd love to I'd love to do Barcelona at some point it'll just always every season it'd be great it's like doing I, I honestly beating Barcelona playing Barcelona is my European version of Tottenham well at least we know we don't have to play Man United in the Champions League do we Exactly. Well, saying that, that's the one team I like to have played. <laughs> um, Warren, just want to sort of touch bases with you, if we can, sort of change the subject a little bit from uh, European football. Uh, a player who seems to be the forgotten man at Chelsea, a friend of mine's just given me that's apparently doing the rounds at the moment. Um, the forgotten man, Fakayo Tomore. Who has hardly featured for Chelsea this season? Um, according to certain sources that are about, he could be on a loan move out in January. Apparently, the French side Nice and Newcastle are interested in Tomorrow. Warren, I just want to sort of give my thoughts on this particular story. I think it's a great move for him to go because he's not going to get the football he needs this season here. God knows what's happened between him and Frank Lampard. Obviously, something's happened whereby he's now not featured at all. He's now fourth choice. I, certainly last season, he was one of our better defenders. Fifth. Fifth, fifth hmm? choice. Fifth choice. Rudiger, Christiansen, Zuma, Silva. So he'd be fifth choice. Beg your pardon, fifth choice. Yeah. Sorry, for fifth choice. For, that makes it even more of an issue. Mm. But... Going to Newcastle, probably a good move for him. Stays in the Premier League. He gets, obviously, first-team football he needs. Going to it's Nice. Just as, it's, it's just as far to go from London to Newcastle as it is London to Nice, though. Well, I was about to say that, yes. <laughs> like, it'll probably, probably take him the same, same amount of time. Journey, like, yes. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, Warren, <laughs> just quickly, your thoughts on this, because certain Chelsea fans want Tomore to be part of the team. I've got, obviously, a little bit of better than Zuma and Silva as a partnership. But, yeah, do you think this will be a good move for him? Well, I think with regards to the Zuma-Silva partnership, I think it doesn't matter which of the other three with Christiansen, Rudiger and um, Tamori that you are. I don't think you're breaking that at the minute. Um, I wanted him to stay this season when he turned down the supposed move to... Um, there was obviously like the Everton link and then there was the West Ham link that was a lot stronger. And obviously he turned them down, wanted to fight for his place and stuff. I was really, really pleased with that. I thought that showed a really, really good attitude. Um, there's speculation about his attitude and whether it's been called into question in training recently. I know that, but again, that's pure speculation. Um, 
I think that it'll be a good move for him. I think that he needs to just get out of familiar surroundings for a little bit, go and test himself, challenge himself somewhere else, you know, playing in new surroundings with new players for a little while. And hopefully, because I'm one of the people that very much wants him to be part of the squad going forward, hopefully he's going to come back a stronger and better player. Yeah, and I think a loan move would be ideal for him. to Whatever happens... I hope what whatever does happen, whatever like you know ends up happening with Tomori, I hope that whatever he does, he goes away and becomes a better player and comes back and becomes a better player for Chelsea. And if he doesn't, then I wish him the you know the genuine best in the future. They're not all going to make it. We have to understand that just because just because one of the youth players gets in and plays ten, fifteen, twenty games in a season. It doesn't. It, Billy Gilmore, yeah, it looks like he's a fantastic one for the future. Just, but just because they played ten, fifteen games, fifteen, twenty games in the space of six months, it doesn't mean that they're all going to make it. And we can't expect every single one to make it. Like the odd one will make it. You know, Mason Mount, Reese James, Tammy to a large point, but um, they're not all going to do it. <laughs> so, you know, let, let's see what the Tomori one plays out as. I think that the next. Six, seven months are big for Tamori with regards to his his own career going forward. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. I hope he comes back stronger and better than ever and is a big stay at Chelsea for many years to come. That's what I hope. Yeah, I I do agree. I think that this is we mentioned sort of beforehand how big of a season this is for Abraham and Hudson Adore. I think that we may need to put Tamori in that as well, whether or not. Yeah, he's putting he, yeah. whether or not he's putting a shift in in training, or whether or not he feels he need he he, he, he looks happy in training. He looks happy in training. I I watched a little bit on um, Chelsea TV on on YouTube. There, they put up a lot of stuff um, from training and stuff, and he features in it quite a lot. And he seems to be smiling and happy. And again, they're like little isolated moments. It might be the only time he smiled all day, but. Um, he seems pretty happy in training. The boys look very, very happy in training. Frank looks very involved in it, and Jody looks very involved in it. And training seems to be going really, really well at the minute. There, you know, it's been really fascinating. It's the first season I've ever really done it. Sat there and watched clips of training and stuff. So I've been really enjoying it. Well, I miss Chelsea TV because you used to be able to do that on a regular basis. So there are moments where I do miss Chelsea TV. Warren, we're now approaching near the end of the show, so we've got a couple of sort of bits that we we together are going to mention for the benefit of the podcast and for the benefit of our listeners coming up on Wednesday we have Sean Wright Phillips on the show yeah very very excited with this he's a player who I specifically remember where I was when Chelsea signed him I was at school and I got the information online back when I think I was in a pub well back when (laughs) Back when you didn't have the iPhones, you didn't have the only yeah. sort of internet access you had was in the library when you were yeah. at school. You did the phones, you still had, you know, you played the old snake sort of game on the Not phone. So that's exactly, science. exactly. So I remember when we signed him, and I remember obviously with his progression, he's, for me, he's got an interesting story to tell yeah. when he was at Chelsea. You know, he came in for a lot of money. There was a Big build up to him coming in because I know that Arsenal were trying to sign him as well as people say he was a flop. I don't personally believe that at all. He was part of a team ethos at Chelsea. It weren't just eleven players and the rest. When we signed 
the reason we signed Sean White Phillips was because people think it was because of this reason and that reason. The reason that Mourinho went out and bought Sean White Phillips and then, you know, eventually we ended up signing people like Kalu and Maluda and things like that was based on the Liverpool game that we lost 1-0 with the ghost goal. The reason we lost that game was the reason we lost to Everton yesterday is because we didn't have enough wingers, fit wingers. So Sean White Phillips came came in and played a pivotal role in Chelsea. And, in you know, people say that, all right, so his final delivery wasn't always amazing and stuff like that, but he played a very, very important role. His final delivery Chelsea. wasn't great. I want people to find this on YouTube because I will try and find this on YouTube. And if I can, if I can find it from the archives, I will put it up on the page. Wright Phillips's assist against Real Betis at home for Hernan Crespo's yeah, goal. Yeah, well, I think yeah. it was probably the, the fourth goal. Mm. It was a very, very, not an exaggeration. He it was, was a very, very dangerous. He was a very, very dangerous player. I mean, people don't. What people don't realise is that people like Lampard scored a lot more goals because of people like Wright Phillips. Because what yes. Wright Phillips, what Wright Phillips used to do was because he was so quick, he used to force defences back which used to leave the space for Lampard in that area that he used to love in, and he used to stretch the game right, Phillips. And OK, he wasn't as amazing on the ball as a, an Iron Robin, and he wasn't as skillful as a Joe Cole or whatever, but what he brought to the club was very, very important. He's a Premier League winner, he's an FA Cup winner, he played under Jose, he played in the team with that spine of you know, Czech and Drogba and Lampard and Terry and Balak and Essien and Joe Cole, and let's not even start mentioning the names of the man. That, <laughs> that, that This guy has played alongside them, and not that these people haven't carried him. He's been a genuine star of that team at times as well. So very, very exciting. I know that he's got a fantastic story to tell, and I think that our listeners will be, yeah, make sure you tune in. Like It's going to be uploaded on Wednesday and everything. Um, so we'll make a little announcement just before just so that everyone's ready for it and everything so get around it on YouTube Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes YouTube, everywhere, you know, like I said earlier we're everywhere so make sure you get around that Wednesday, look out for the announcement subscribe on YouTube and you'll get a little notification when it comes out anyway Absolutely And with with regards to the podcast we've had a few comments recently on the thumbnails that we've been doing so I know you wanted to thank our provider for that Keith, if you wanted to go ahead and thank our provider for that, who's been doing that for us, give him a little mention. Absolutely. We haven't mentioned him yet on the podcast. We haven't actually mentioned him at all on our social media platform. So if he does look at it and he does hear this podcast, I'm sure he does hear this podcast, he's probably waiting for his little uh, thank you. So Stevie, thank you so much for your thumbnails for the last few weeks of the show. We, myself and Warren, have appreciated it massively. You've got a very creative mind, put it that way. And listen, we appreciate it. And yeah, massively. You know, he, can, he, do, he does seem to. What, what it is with Stevie is that me, myself, Keith, and Stevie are all, are all on like a WhatsApp group, and we, you know, we regularly chat because it's important to us that the thumbnails mean something and they capture our emotions through the game. Stevie always seems to capture our emotions of the game and exactly how we feel. So he's obviously like a like-minded Chelsea fan like ourselves. Um, you know, and you know, thank you very much for your time, Stevie. And you know, hopefully, long may it continue. And if anyone needs Absolutely. anything done, if anyone's got their own little ideas for things and they need things done, please get in contact with us um, at the blue the blue day podcast at gmail dot com. Leave us a little, like you know, 
leave a little query or whatever, we'll be happy to speak to Steve and potentially pass his details over. He really does. He does a lot more than the thumbnails, you know. He's great. So thank you very there much. There is a commission fee involved. Yes, of course. Yes. We have to mention yes. <laughs> seven hundred and twenty-five percent of the fee. Which is to be discussed. And, <laughs> no, that, but, that will be to be confirmed. But no, but no we we do appreciate Stevie's work on the podcast. Thank you ever so much, you know. And just keep doing what you're doing, Stevie. I know you obviously you do listen to this, and we we do appreciate it. But Warren, we're now near the end of the show. Obviously, we got to. As I tell you what, I mean, this is sort of the Christmas schedule for us is massive. We've got right, Felix yeah. on Wednesday. We're obviously going to do a, maybe two more before Christmas anyway to review Chelsea matches and possibly a year in review, which yeah. we are in sort of discussions with at the moment. Yeah. We're very, we're very excited. We're very excited about that, listeners. Make sure you stay tuned for announcements because uh, we might be getting some people involved if we can. So we're in discussions at yes. the minute that we can. So we very much want everybody to get involved. We're going to find a way to get as many people involved as possible. So. Look out for the announcements for that. Warren, to end the show today, you have an announcement to make, which me and you have discussed at length mm-hmm. that, you know, listen, at, at the start of this podcast, when I first thought about doing this podcast, there was no way I had any ideas about how to connect with the hardcore Chelsea supporters, the ones that eat, sleep and breathe Chelsea. Warren, I know you're one of them, but there are many, many out there. I had no idea that between September to now that we would have this much of a following whereby we are now going to to discuss not just Chelsea results, but discuss life and discuss what Chelsea means to people, but also what people who love Chelsea mean to other people. Yes. So, Warren, to end the show, I want you to... Actually, you know what? Fuck it. This is your bit. I'll let you take the reins. I'm going to shut up, thankfully, for people. I'm going to let you take the reins, sir. Well, thank you very much, Keith. I think that what you said is very poignant and it's very meaningful, What um, discussing what Chelsea represents to people and what it can mean to people, not just in life, but um, in death as well, which is something that we're going to... Which is something I'm going to discuss now briefly on the podcast. Hopefully on the 23rd, if all goes well, we're going to be releasing our podcast with our normal review of the West Ham game, our normal positive review of the West Ham game, which we are going to win and we are going to be back right on form. I can assure you of that. I've got a really good feeling about the upcoming games. But also on that show, there's going to be a special segment um, to the late and great Cole Wurzel O'Brien, who unfortunately died... On the 23rd of December 2016, he was a lifelong Chelsea fan, um, an avid Chelsea fan, a shed boy from the 70s and 80s. Um, he was an ex-groundsman at the club. Um, he was loved and revered by the club and fans all over the world. And, you know, he's got a plaque in the shed. He's got his name on flags, Carl Wurzel O'Brien. I'm sure you may have seen it. Um, Keith was actually at the game a few years ago against Hull. I was when, there, yes. yes. I stand up or I was there. Yeah, um, and there was a round of applause for him. And I think it was Jonathan Pierce, the BBC Match of the Day commentator, who, you know, said his name and everything, and that was beautiful. So I'm... Um, I'm very fortunate to have known Cole personally, very fortunate to have been to Chelsea games with him, very fortunate enough to have lived next door to him when he lived with his 
dear sister Sam, who I lived next door to for 20 years, and consider my and I consider them family, and I know that the feeling is um, mutual as well. So I have spoken to the family, and we're going to do a special segment on Cole, which is going to talk about his life and him following Chelsea, and we're going to get a few messages on there from friends and family and stuff, and it's going to be a bit of a change up from our normal. Um, podcast it's going to be a bit of an emotional one I, I should think there's going to be tears and stuff um, we're going to get some music in there as well that he used to listen to um, I know that Steve Boots Humphreys who is a avid listener of the Blue Day podcast and a Chelsea fan who's been all over the country with me was especially close to Wurzel um, and he's going to have a message for us and um, other people I've spoken to his sister Sammy and I've spoken to his nephew James been um, in contact indirectly with his children, Joe and Laura, um, his brothers, um, Marcus, Jason, Johnny, um, all these mates down the pub that we all knew and loved each other and everything. So it's going to be a really emotional one and it's a, it's a fantastic honour for myself and Keith and it's an, an amazing honour for the Blue Day podcast to be able to celebrate this man's life and his memory and show the Chelsea community and show, show the Chelsea community for what it is, which is a family that's all connected by our blue blood and our love for Chelsea and our love for each other. And, you know, it's it's an amazing community to be part of. It doesn't get the credit and respect that it deserves. And Cole is... I get goosebumps every time I see how fantastically well-remembered Cole is at Chelsea by everyone and people that didn't know him stood there clapping for him and everything it was you know it still hits me quite hard and I can't imagine what it does to the family so hopefully we're going to do him justice we're very much going to do our best um and there's going to be a good few messages in there and it's going to be a real it's going to be a bit of a tough one to do but I'm going to really enjoy doing it I know Keith's going to enjoy doing it as well we are going to get you know being really honest about it we are going to get a you know we are going to get a personal reward from it do you know what I mean it's going to make me feel good to hopefully honour him the best that I can. I know that Keith feels the same, so um, we're very, very much looking forward to doing it, and we're very nervous as well, so, um, you know, again, but let us know how we did, you know, this doesn't change the fact that it's a real podcast and it's a real thing, and we still want people's feedback, uh, the family, people that knew him, people that didn't know him, people that hadn't heard his story, you know, um, make sure you look it up. Um, There's a hashtag, Justice for Cole, so, you know, let's get that trending in as many places as we can, hashtag Justice for Cole. Um, read into the story because it's, uh, it's, it's a tough read, but it's a worthwhile read as well. And like I said, this is one for all of the, all of the football community beyond the Chelsea community. This is one where football must unite and come together. Warren, that was beautiful. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Warren. So that's what's going to come up on the Blue Day podcast in the next coming episode. So please stick with us for that one. Please find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole shebang. Please find us on that. I have been Keith Lawrence. He has been Warren. Here is Harry Jane, the All-Stars. Stay safe and carefree.
Social Podcast Network. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com.